It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcaster is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have made it to episode number 109. Now, you're hearing me right now. I'm just interjecting just to say hello to everybody because, look, the studio has moved, which means I have just moved. So we apologize for all the delays and all that good stuff, but we will be getting back to our regular schedule of having the reaction shows right after the game, preview shows, all that other good stuff. We are still going through our you know, our training camp sessions and all that good stuff, trying to figure everything out. But for episode 109, you've got James Elter and BLG breaking everything down, plus your phone calls. So don't worry, nothing's changing. I just got to dig myself out of all these boxes, and I just finally found some cords here Wednesday morning here. So enjoy the show. We'll be back to uh, regular scheduled programming as far as preview and reaction shows, plus Sean Brace will be joining us on the next one. And we are very excited for that. So I'll hand it over to James BLG. Boys, take it away. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? This is episode 109 of the BGN Radio podcast. Uh, crazy that we're at 109. Crazy that I'm posting back-to-back episodes. I promise you, John Bartrett will be back. He is not gone forever. Uh, he didn't get too big for the podcast or anything. I promise John will be back uh, definitely for the next episode. But uh, tonight we get a special treat, a little two-man pod. Me and the main man, the top dog, the the big banana, as it were, the editor-in-chief of Bleeding Green Nation, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowden. BLG, what's up, buddy? How's it going, man? Glad to be here. You know, I like the two-man show every once in a while. It's a nice little change-up. It's intimate. 
uh, it's, it's fun. I agree. I agree. I think intimate's a good word for it. Gives a, you know, kind of a nice flow to it. You're not always having to worry about working everyone in. It's good. I'm excited, my friend. I'm excited to host one with you as well. I don't know if we've ever actually done a two-man pod. No, so, I don't think we have. So, you know, that's good. Screw John. We don't need him. Yeah, anymore. we don't need those guys. <laughs> right. We're starting our own podcast right now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Well, uh, let's just jump into it. I mean, there's so much to react to right now. Obviously, uh, we're recording this podcast Tuesday night. Um, still have not gotten anything out there about the Eagles-Packers game. Obviously, the Eagles dismantling the Packers. The, the score at the end uh, was a lot closer than it actually was. Uh, obviously, it was what twenty-four nothing, and then the Eagles were still missing extra points and, and two-point conversions and all that. So um, it was it was a dominant performance, which has been in line with the rest of this preseason. Uh, I mean, before we get into breaking down the game, uh, Brandon, uh, I I don't want to say it. I'm gonna we're gonna go to this call, this voicemail that we have on the BGN hotline, and. and We'll let him say it, and then we'll discuss it. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message, and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. Hello, BGN radio crew. Uh, This is Matt from Lancaster. Uh, I want to uh, echo John's comments on the radio uh, about the Eagles being a Super Bowl contender. I, yeah, I'm buying. I'm buying all of it. I'm buying large shares. Uh, and that, I was doing that before the Green Bay game, too. I mean, I think the things that jump out at me over the last three preseason games, dominant line play, that's probably my main reason here. Like, I feel like we are really running the ball well. The line, who hasn't had a chance to really gel together, is playing well together. Gardner looks like a good fit at the right guard position. Yeah, and on defense, uh, that front seven, I mean, even without the starting linebacker crew in there, I mean, it looks like, you know, you, you might sneak a good run in there at the very beginning, and then, you know, they just shut the door, led by uh, Benny Logan and Fletcher Cox. Benny Logan looks like he's playing at a whole new level this year. I mean, I mean, how can you not buy? How can you, like, look at this and then scratch your head and want to be negative and say, mm, well, it's just preseason. I mean, yeah, it's just preseason. It's preseason for everybody, but nobody's dominating like the Eagles are. So you heard that Super Bowl. Is it a possibility? BLG, I'm going to come to you and then I'll give you my thoughts after. But, you know, it's just the preseason. I know that. But, I mean, I've never seen this kind of dominance from an Eagles team in the preseason. And, and I'll get into what I think in a sec. But what do you think? Is it is it insane to say Super Bowl? Well, I think you, you said it right there that you've never seen this kind of dominance. I think everyone's kind of been thinking that. We're all trying to think back to, like, when has an Eagles team been this good in the preseason? Like, you can't think of you can't think of a, a time when they've looked this good. And I think, you know, that's getting everyone excited. I've seen tons of people on Twitter, on BGN in the comments that, you know, they're more excited about this team than they have been since the 2004 year, which is obviously, you know, the year they got Terrell Owens and everything was, was going in motion at that point. People are excited, man. And, you know, I feel like we kind of touched on this. I think the last time, uh, at least I was on as we, we were talking about are the Eagles contenders. And, you know, I feel the same way, you know, this is a playoff team. And if you're a playoff team, you know, by definition, anything can happen. I, and I feel like you're a contender. This is a team 
that's a lot of strengths going for for them, and especially looking like at quarterback with Sam Bradford looking freaking amazing. I mean, he goes 10 for 10, 121 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, the guy was just on fire, and that's that's really what we've seen, or I've seen all of training camp, and the fact that he was able to to put it on the field, I mean, how could you not be impressed with that? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have no problem saying they're a Super Bowl contender. I, I don't see how you could say that they're not at this They're not point. a Super Bowl favorite. I think that, we can, of course we can not. say that. That's I'm with the, you. That's what gets mixed up there. I think some people think we're, we're saying they're a favorite. They're not a favorite. We're just saying they're a contender. Exactly. No, they're still third in the NFC, but... You know, it, it's not that crazy to think that they could come out of the NFC with Seattle and Green Bay, and and who knows if the Cowboys are going to be as good as they were last year. But it, none of those teams are dominant. There are flaws, especially with Jordy going down for the Packers, and you know, Seattle. Their offensive line is is yeah. not good. I mean, they they lost Max Unger, obviously traded him away in the Jimmy Graham trade. He was a huge part of that O line, even though he's dealt with injuries over the last few years, and uh, they just don't have a ton of talent on that O-line. They're hoping guys like, uh, you know, J.R. Sweezy and Justin Brick can kind of mm-hmm. develop uh, young guys, and obviously they need Okung to stay healthy, but I think there are flaws, and more importantly, I just think what I've taken away from, from this preseason so far, and we're about to get into the, the Packers game, which was probably the most impressive performance yet based on it being game number three and the Packers starting defense being out there. Um, but I just have noticed how well coached they are. How they're, they're coming out and they're playing for this guy in the preseason, and they're efficient, and they haven't been making mistakes. And it's it's refreshing to see. And I know the whole, you know, it's all vanilla. You're not seeing any interesting or diverse looks from the defenses. True, but Chip's also bringing his vanilla game plan as well, both yeah. on offense and defense. So. It really works both ways. Um, so that, that's kind of what I've seen. Let, let's kind of dump, jump right into the Eagles-Packers game. You mentioned it. Bradford is easily the number one story coming out of that. 10 for 10, was efficient, made some you know easy throws, but also some really nice yeah. touch throws that we haven't seen from an Eagles quarterback in a oh. long time. Certainly uh, not from Nick Foles. Yeah, not, or from Sanchez, obviously. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's just – and not even from – from uh, McNabb a lot of the time, that yeah. that kind of touch. Um, I think we just got a glimpse of this offense's potential if Bradford can can stay healthy. But uh, what I want to know is, aside from how good he looked, and I, I thought also there was poise in the pocket, obviously the accuracy, mm-hmm. but you know, what do you say to the Eagles fans who, who come back, and I've heard it a lot doing radio uh, you know, over the last week or so, where even though he looks good, you can never really relax. No matter what, this this specter of injury is going to hang over him, whether it's however far they get in the playoffs or whether it's game one of the season. You know, how do you kind of deal with that as, as a fan of the team, Brandon? You know, I, I think I think there's a legitimate point there. I, I just don't really know like what you can really do to to mitigate that because it is it's a huge issue. But I mean at the same time, I mean, if if you want to worry about that all the time, I mean, that's your choice. I don't think that's a very fun uh, choice to make. Exactly. And and I think here more than ever, you know, they're they're they are mitigating some of that risk because the ball is getting out quick. 
Uh, they're not relying on him as much to to carry the offense. Uh, that's something I really took away from uh, <clears throat> Saturday night's game. As good as Bradford was, and he was awesome, obviously he was perfect. What set the tone for that game, at least in my eyes, was DeMarco Murray coming out and he didn't break off any big runs. You know, this wasn't like LaShawn McCoy where he cuts back and gets like a 20-yard run out of nothing. No, it was just he consistently fell forward, got four yards. They got the first down. They kept things moving. That, I think, was huge. And that's what I think is going to help Bradford stay healthy. They're going to take the pressure off him to throw and drop back all the time. They're going to be able to run this ball, the ball well. And they're going to be able to run it effectively, not only because they have such talent at running back, but the, the blocking is great, too. I mean, I think we've seen that in the preseason. There are huge holes for these running backs to run through. And between that, the run game that is, and and just this offense and sports science and everything, I think all of that combined kind of makes you a little bit feel a little bit better about the, the Bradford health thing. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Brandon. And again, like you said, listen, you, you got to take risks to win, okay? Like, you Absolutely. know, it, and ultimately it's football, okay? Yes, Bradford, because of, you know, the two torn ACLs and back-to-back years and, and the shoulder in college and all that, does have this label as an as a injury-prone player. But ultimately, yes, maybe he's slightly more injury-prone than others uh, moving forward. But we're, we're talking about football. These guys are pounding into each other at insane speeds and, and they're gigantic people. You're going to get hurt. It's one hit the wrong way, one way or the other. So, so I feel like you can't worry about that too much. Uh, but I love the point you made about the running game, especially how the these holes are huge, but these guys are just, boom, hitting them. Exactly what Chip was was talking about and hoping for out of these guys, whether it's Matthews, Sproles, or Murray. These guys, they don't mess around. They go right for that hold, and they hit it, and they're off. And uh, that's been really nice to see. But but you did bring up the holes themselves. I did want to ask you, can, can we, even though Chip has not said that Andrew Gardner is the right guard, he says the competition is still ongoing. Uh, Gardner started all three games. I think most of the fan base and the general media has is assuming he'll be the guy. Do you think there's any real competition there, or is that just Chip posturing? I think it's clear at this point that uh, that Bradford, I mean, not Bradford, sorry, not Bradford is definitely not starting a right guard. Uh, Andrew Gardner. <laughs> that'd be, you know, that'd yeah, be, be, uh, that'd be a little too outside the box. That'd be, yeah, that's a little too concerning. But no, I think, I think Gardner is clearly the guy. But the reason why I think they're being so careful and everything is I think he has a short lease, especially compared to everyone else. I think they're really high on Barbre. I think they like him a lot. I think, you know, with Gardner, I think he's clearly the guy at this point, but if he struggles, I mean, I don't think they're going to be, they're not going to give him a long leash. You know, I think they're going to, they, if someone else, they feel like someone else can go in there, which they might not feel like because they don't have a lot of great right guard options, but maybe they pick someone up. The other day on the site, I suggested uh, Andy Lavitre. You know, the Titans might cut him. Obviously, he hasn't been good with the Titans recently, but he's been good in the past. You know, maybe you give a, a guy like that a shot who you're not, bringing him in the start you're bringing him in so that if Gardner just you know totally just you just you can't even start him anymore he's struggling so much you can at least turn to another veteran guy like that in a pinch that's what that's why I think they're being so hesitant with him I think they they trust him as a starter right now and there's some merit to that because if you like PFF grades which not everyone does but take him for what it's worth right now Barbary ranks fifth out of 129 guards in the preseason uh, in 
and uh, Gardner ranks 28th. So, I mean, these guys, you know, they look pretty decent. I mean, and we've seen the holes, so there's evidence to suggest that's there. I think the pass protection could be a little better at times, especially with Gardner. I think that's an issue where he struggles. But overall, I mean, I, I feel like guard is a pretty – it's a position where I, I feel like you don't necessarily need a stud guy, and that's obviously how Chip Kelly felt when he, you know, released Evan Mathis and, and Todd Harriman. So I think, you know, the Eagles made out okay there. Yeah, I think that's a great point about guard, and that point is especially driven home when you're talking about guards who will be in between either Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey or Jason Absolutely, Kelsey and Jason yeah. Peters. That has to help, you know. I mean, uh, but I, but I also like the point you made about Barber compared or Barbre compared to Gardner. Uh, they are a lot more effusive in their praise of Barbre. Uh, at least Kelly is. Yes. And I think you see that, you know, we always talk about Chip and the way he interacts with the media and when he's telling the truth, when he's not, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think he does kind of give little hints, uh, you know, about certain players and his feelings on certain players. Like the whole Earl Wolf thing, obviously he's gone now, but you could tell in press conferences that Chip didn't really like Earl Wolf. You know, oh, he would yeah. always say, oh, Earl can't play. Earl said he can't play or, or things like that. <laughs> Um, and I'm not implying that that's the way he feels about Gardner, but I think he certainly is clearly more comfortable with, with Barbre. Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting. Uh, outside of the O-line, running game, Bradford, anything else that jumped out to you after that third preseason game, you know, basically being the last time we'll see the starters? Uh, you know, once again, Another big play from Walter Thurman. I mean, this was more of the the tight end kind of falling down in that situation. But, you know, give him credit for being in the position to make the play. I mean, it's kind of crazy how, you know, before OTAs, we didn't even know Thurman was going to be at safety. Like, no one knew that. There was no thought of that. And the the, the big question was, who the heck is going to line up to next to Malcolm Jenkins? Because there was, there was yeah. no obvious – people were thinking Earl Wolf. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He's not on I mean, the team anymore. Yeah, exactly. He didn't even make it past first cuts. He couldn't stay healthy. So, just the fact that Walter Thurman has looked so good when they brought him in, steam. They brought him in to play quarterback. It seemed like to play nickel or or maybe out. So whatever. They, I think that you know they they pretty much had an idea of him playing quarterback because he had never played safety at any level, high school, college, nothing. He had never played a game of safety and. You know, obviously, I'm not. I'm trying to. Make, I'm not trying to make him look like a, an all pro here, but I, you know, just the fact that if he can be a solid starter, I just think that's huge because you pair him, Jenkins on the back end, and I think those are two pretty good cover guys back there. Yeah, no, I think that's a look. It would be insane if Chip can just move this guy over to safety and he can be a, a competitive safety, especially given the history that we have had in Philadelphia with safety since Brian Dawkins. If Chip can just take this you know, slot corner and turn him into a safety, it, it would be a very impressive thing. But, but having said that, when you hear Chip talk about why they did move him over, it's very rational. It makes a lot of sense, you know, the idea that he's looked at the game from the middle of the field and, and that Chip thinks his skill set will translate over and, it, and his, you know, understanding of the game will play there. Is a, it's a very interesting little project here, and uh, I'm with you. The, the results so far have been great, uh, again, preseason, but um, – yeah, that's really the thing, though, right, Brandon? I mean, the front seven, it's all we talk about. We're, you know, we're 
talking about potentially one of the best front sevens in the NFL this season. That's how pumped we are as Eagles fans about Kiko and Kendricks and the, you know, Graham and Barwin and then those three beasts up front. But we, we, you know, we all know the secondary has been the bane of this team for such a long time. And yet we're seeing progress, but we're hearing reports, you know, I don't ever remember hearing reports come out of the Eagles where, where they're like, yeah, the sec the, the coaching staff thinks the secondary is going to be vastly improved this year, and and just this kind of weird stuff. There just seems to be a lot of belief in this secondary, at least within that building, within that coaching staff, within that team. How do you feel as a, as a guy who's been down there, as a guy who's watching these preseason games? You know, we just talked about Thurman. It, is there a chance this secondary could actually be a, a competent to to good NFL secondary? I, you know, I, I think I absolutely feel that way because you look at Thurmond, and I already talked about him. You have him on the back end. I think there are question marks about him, uh, maybe in run support as a tackler. But I mean, if that's one of your biggest issues, I don't think that's a, a terrible deal. I think you have a pretty strong front seven. I don't think you're you're asking him to necessarily, you know, come down and stop the run. You know, it's not like the Eagles use their their safeties in the box like that. Uh, right. Malcolm Jenkins, I think he, you know, Malcolm Jenkins is easily an above average safety. I think he makes mistakes at times, but overall, you know, obviously a, a guy who's above average. And then you look on the outside, and Byron Maxwell is the real deal. You know, I've watched him in training camp. I don't know if he's a top five corner. You know, a lot of people talk about that because he's getting paid top five money. But put that aside, I mean, this is a really talented player. He he's long, he's athletic. Uh, he doesn't get beat deep. He he strips the ball. He he's the guy makes plays and he he can cover. So he's going to be a huge addition against you know guys like Beckham and Des Bryant, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, the fact that you have him there is huge. And then on the other side, you know I like Nolan Carroll heading into this year because what I saw out of him in practice last year was I, I you know there were a lot of good things and you know the team has really talked about him and I know John. Too bad he's not here, but I know John does not really buy the Carroll hype a lot because, you know, why didn't he play last year when Bradley Fletcher was hurt and everything? Well, you know, Carroll got hurt uh, somewhere in training camp, and he even said recently that he wasn't even, like, healthy until, like, half halfway through the season or so. So I kind of think that put him behind the eight ball. And Bill Davis even admitted, and you don't see that, you know, you don't always see a coach admitting they made a big mistake like that. Bill Davis admitted that Carroll should have been in there more. So I think, you know, they're really high on him. And I think he, and he started in the NFL before, you know, he was, he started with the Dolphins, his experience. I mean, this isn't just like a total, uh, total project player. I mean, this is a guy who, again, he's not going to be a star, but I think there's, there's evidence here that he can at least be a solid starter. And if you, if you have Maxwell, who is a good player, and your second corner is a solid starter, I mean, that's that's fine. You're going to be able to hang with teams. And the whole thing with the secondary to me, I've been thinking about is this is this front seven is just so stacked. I mean, you, you and you added Kiko Alonso, and you're keeping Michael Kendricks after that contract extension. And Benny Logan, it looks like he's taking a huge step forward. And you still have Fletcher Cox. And Vinny Curry is, you know, they're trying to get him more involved. I mean... When you add this front seven in, and I was thinking, you know, how much better or how much worse maybe would last year's secondary have looked if the Eagles front seven hadn't been as good as it was? I mean, they were so good. Don't you think about that? They could have looked even worse. So I'm thinking, you know, this year 
it goes more hand in hand where the front seven is creating pressure and making life easy on the secondary. But I also think, you know, more so this year, we see the secondary be able to cover more, getting more covered sacks now. And that's really helping out the front seven. Yeah, I think those are great points. I, I love the uh, the Nolan Carroll point. I, I'm with you, especially, I mean, they had Carroll playing out of position the majority yeah. of last season. He was basically a linebacker in a dime setup. Uh, you know, we really haven't seen what he can do on the outside. So I think it's foolish to assume that he, to just assume that he can't. But again, we're talking about John. This is the guy who said cut Ed Reynolds <laughs> right before he made two back-to-back interceptions in the preseason. Yeah, what does that guy so know? It's not his like he's secondary on the radio uh, assessment skills are, are seriously in question. <laughs> um, no, but I, I'm pumped about the D2. I mean, uh, it's it's crazy because Chip got here and everyone thought it was offense, offense, offense. But he's done a uh, a really nice job of building up the defense around uh, you know the few guys who were here before and, and Cox and Kendricks and uh, uh, Thornton, I believe, was here that one year. But um, he's done a really nice job of building around those guys and, and just bringing in a lot of of defensive talent. So. I'm with you. All right, let's uh, speak of defensive talent. Let's move on to to Thursday's game against the Jets. Obviously, we're not going to see the majority of starters, uh, but we're going to get into the battles that that are going to play out there in a second. But first, it apparently we might see one starter, and not just a starter, but see him for the first time as an Eagle. It, it, BLG reports coming out. Is this really true? Is Kiko actually going to play uh, even a few snaps in this fourth preseason game? You know, it's almost like uh, I'll believe it when I see it because, you know, last week, yeah, you know, last week was the, he was supposed to play against the Packers and then he kind of said he had a nagging knee injury before the game. But, you know, the reasons why I think it might happen are the first reason is Dave Spadaro was actually saying that during the broadcast, which I thought was surprising, you know, that is interesting. Yeah, because Spuds, you know, kind of doesn't I, I, he, I feel like he's not going to just say something like that unless he, you know, really felt that way or knew something. I don't think he would just throw that out there. So he said that. And then uh, I just look at the fact that Alonzo hasn't played since 2013. It's been. A long time. I I think, you know, this isn't like a deal where he played last season like D'Amico Ryans did, you know, and then got hurt. No, I mean, like he missed all of last season. He hasn't played since 2013. I think they legitimately want to get him a couple, at least a couple reps in there. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be playing extensively, but I think I think there is a decent chance he he suits up. And then. To add on top of that, Josh Huff himself, <laughs> he tweeted that he is going to be playing. Wow. So so that'll you'll have that too, which is good because you know it's weird because Huff has had a, a quiet preseason. I don't think that's necessarily all his fault because I just think the Eagles have so many offensive targets, Sproles and Matthews and Aguilar and, and Selleck even in there and just and Burton and all of these guys. There's there's too many to name. Uh I just think, you know. It, it, he's just been the victim of, you know, passes going other places, not necessarily his fault. So between Kiko and Huff, you know, this is kind of a tiny bit added intrigue to the the last preseason game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And that, that uh, the Huff point's interesting, too, because he's been quiet in the preseason. But everything you hear from all of the beats is that he's been one of the stars of training camp and yeah, from the he, coaching yeah. staff, too, right? Yeah, he's had a good summer. I mean, he, he's been making plays on Maxwell, and that's not because Maxwell's look bad. It's just, you know, Huff has looked good. 
Yeah. And uh, real quick, before we move on to the other battles, is there anything to worry about with the tendonitis in Kiko's knee? I'm assuming if he plays, then then probably not. I think uh, I saw something on Twitter about, uh, well, John had obviously said that it's not an issue. But what does John know? So Yeah, well, we've already decredited <laughs> what he knows, so we're but good. But no, I, I saw something else about how that that's kind of can happen with ACL recoveries, and it's not so much of a big issue as it is an expected side effect kind of thing. I mean, I'm not a doctor here, so you're not getting medical terms from me, but you know what? It's, it's something that's not totally uncommon. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a big issue. And, and you know, you, I, I do expect him to start week one and he seems like he's pretty confident he's going to start. So I don't, I don't expect it to be a major issue. Okay. You're not a doctor. That's all I really took I'm out not. of that. I'm oh yeah. That's, that's uh, yeah. Right. Well done. Well done. All right. Uh, we're going to get into the other position battles, but let's start with, whether it's for the right reasons or not, the one that is clearly the most omnipresent, most ubiquitous within Egalia right now, uh, Barkley Tebow. You know, how do you see it playing out? Uh, and in addition, over the last week, I've been hearing a lot of people bring up the idea, whether it's been beat writers, whether it's been callers on the radio station. I mean, for some reason, in this this groundswell has come up of the idea of either. Chip carrying only two QBs a la Belichick or or maybe even that the third QB isn't on this roster right now. How do you see this whole third quarterback situation playing out? Well, I'm going to start off by saying we have a poll right now, bleedinggreennation.com, so go vote on that. Yes. Who will win the third string quarterback battle? We have 19% Matt Barkley. We have 66% Tim Tebow. And then we have 14%. Eagles will only keep Sam Bradford Ooh, and Mark Sanchez. Wow. So Tim the Tebow Tebowites the are coming out to vote. Yes, they are. And, you know, I think they're right because I've said that we've said this all summer. Uh, the Eagles have tried to move on from Matt Barkley. We know that they've, they've, it's, there's been multiple reports about that. Uh, I think that's a big reason why they brought Tebow in. I don't think they bring Tebow in maybe if they feel good about Matt Barkley and, Here's how I look at it with with the quarterback competition uh, and and some people arguing that Barkley has been a little better. Here's the thing. You know, Barkley has been in the system for three years now. And the fact that it's even close to a guy in Tim Tebow who's been out of the league entirely for two years. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about Matt Barkley right there. I mean, that's not good enough. You can't have a guy who's in the system for three years who they drafted in the fourth round just make such minimal progress by his third year and I just think they're ready to move on from from him and as far as the two quarterbacks idea goes you know you you I mean it makes sense because let's let's think about it from the perspective that neither Barkley nor Tebow have earned a spot on the roster would you agree with that James absolutely well I would I would say that too and none of them have looked uh, that and not great. just that real quick I mean I sure. think that there, are, you could even make the case that when the final cuts come down, that there are two or three guys who get cut who deserve a roster spot more than those guys. Yeah, and there very well could be, and I think they will keep that option open. I don't think they would be opposed to that at all, but I I don't think they would only keep two just because when you have Sam Bradford, he's injury prone. Mark Sanchez has had some injury issues, not to the level of Bradford, but you know he's not a guy who. It's necessarily, you know, the best at staying healthy either. I I think you you almost have to keep a third guy, and I think that's what Chip really wants to do. And I think 
you know, going back to the two point conversion thing we we talked about a little bit earlier in the game, uh, just because they didn't work necessarily doesn't mean you know Chip is going to scrap them. I think he looked at the first play that Tebow tried to run, and and Jason Peters, you know. I hate to hate to even bring this up, but Jason Peters got blown up on that play, mm-hmm. and that's not something you see often. So Tebow just—I I hate to make excuses for Tim Tebow in here and sound like the the Tebow apologist, but I mean he—he just—you know—he wasn't in a great position there. And then the second play, the, the ball was snapped at like his ankles. He basically had to pick it off the ground, and he threw it to Aguilar, who <laughs> Aguilar apparently wasn't in the right position on his route. He kind of took the blame for that. So. Just the fact that they would even use Tebow like that in that way, though, kind of makes me think, all right, maybe, you know, Chip wants to have this option available in the regular season. Okay, we've reached the limit of Tebow love. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I actually I actually agree with you. I think if I, if I had to bet right now, I'd bet on Tebow being the third yeah. QB. Uh, I think that he gives you another dimension, even if it – isn't much. I think Chip likes versatility. I think Chip likes the idea that maybe even if it's an hour, coaches on opposing teams spend game planning for Tebow, that that's worth it in his mind. Um, and, and look, if if Bradford goes down, especially, and if both Bradford and Sanchez go down, this team's screwed anyway. Barkley's not leading this team anywhere, so you know, why keep the kid? And you, I really love the point you made. If this kid's been here for three years. Like, if he can't outplay Tim friggin' Tebow, like, can't outplay him by a lot, then then screw him. What's the point? Um, all right, uh, before we get out of here, let's just take one look at this game and, and kind of give me the, the looking at this roster and, and obviously go to bleedinggreennation.com. Brandon's always putting out kind of updated 53-man roster, Get you know, guesses, uh, whatever you want to call it, conjecture. Um, what are the biggest battles heading into this game? And hence, who, who does this game really mean a lot for outside of, of course, Tebow and Barkley? Well, I think you look at the safety position and, you know, you're settled at starter with Jenkins and Thurmond and Chris Maragos is definitely going to make the team, you know, a special teams guy. But, you know, and I think Chris Brzezinski is going to make the fourth slot there because this was a guy who came in last year, Chris Brzezinski now, halfway through the season and he was like fourth, he finished fourth or something in special teams tackles. I mean, this is a guy who seems like he's pretty good at special teams too. I mean, I know everyone doesn't that doesn't necessarily do a lot for everyone because they want a safety who can also get on the field if one of those top two guys gets injured. But you know, that's how Chip views his backup players. You know, they have to play special teams. That's he says it time and time again, special teams, special teams, special teams. And that, and I love that because yeah. that's a, uh, one of the multitude of reasons why the Eagles special teams is so good. But go exactly. on. That's, no, that's, that's a huge – exactly. That, because of that focus and because they're keeping backups who are so good at special teams, maybe not as good as they would be you know, as a, a regular position. I mean that's the risk you take. You know, If you want to have an elite special teams, I think you have to take the risk like that. So – I think they're kind of set one through four there, but do they keep a fifth guy? I think, you know, you look at Ed Reynolds, he kind of started out hot in the preseason, didn't have a great game against the Packers as much, uh, but he's a guy who's, who contributes on special teams, so that's big. And then you look at Jerome Coupland, and Chip has given him a nickname, so that's obviously huge. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, also, Timmy gave Tim Tebow oh, Timmy, too, well, so here's the it's thing a good sign, that, you're right. But he did call Tim Tebow Tim the other day, Uh-oh. so... 
So we are really reading dun, into dun, this dun. way too much. <laughs> but I think the safety there, that's a big one. I think they keep at least one of those guys either on the, the roster or the practice squad because you need some depth there. I think a lot of people like Kuplin. I think, you know, the team likes Kuplin because they obviously took him off the Lions practice squad last year. So I think they'll give him a shot. Uh, other than that, I don't see a ton. I think the defensive back position is a little hazy because I think the starters are clear, meaning cornerback position rather, with with uh, Maxwell and Carroll. But that nickel corner spot really isn't solidified. I mean, the Eagles traded away Boykin, and I think Jacory was easily going to start there. At least he was going to play a decent amount there. And now... I don't know who's going to start there. I think, you know, I don't think Eric Rowe is a really a guy they want there in the long term because I don't think you draft a guy like that in the second round to be a slot guy. I think, you know, they, they really want him to project as an outside player. And I think they'll get maybe they'll work him into the slot. I mean, uh, EJ Biggers, <laughs> again, uh, oh, man, he was rough the other night. Yeah, and, no, he, he uh, his preseason has had a downward trend as opposed to upward. It, it really he had struggled and it's a shame for him because he he was having a good summer. I mean, surprisingly good, especially for EJ Biggers. But I mean, that Packers game is just a reminder that he's not a guy you want to count on full time. You know, he can rotate in there, but he's not your full time guy either. And then Jalen Watkins, you know, really haven't been super impressed with him. Now, I think he makes the team, but I, I really don't think he's had a great summer. I think uh I think he kind of looked a little better against the Packers, but I don't know if you really want him on the inside because we've seen that tackling is a big issue with him. I think it was the the Colts game. I mean, he just totally just whiffed on one play in the red zone, uh, you know. So that really is a position that's so unsettled right now, and I don't know who's going to step up there. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. It's a there is still some intrigue to this game in that way. One one more guy I want to throw at you. it's kind of assumed that he has, but uh, do you think Kenyon Barner has played his way onto this team? And if so, Chip has only kept three running backs the past few years. What position group kind of loses that extra guy because of Barner? Well, they did keep four in 2013. Correct. Yeah, they did yes. keep Tucker for a bit, didn't right. they? Yes. Yeah, so I think that kind of sets the stage. And I think where you're taking – the way I look at it is you either have – four tight ends and three running backs, which is what they did last year or what they did for most of the 2013 season when you have four running backs and three tight ends. So I think, you know, uh, with, you know, last year they carried, you know, Selleck, Ertz, uh, Casey and Burton. I mean, now you take Casey away. I think that right there kind of just opens it up for Barner. And, and with Barner, uh, not only do you have the return ability, which he's shown and which is great because, you know, you don't want to rely on Darren Sproles all the time because he's getting older and he's probably going to have a bigger role in the passing game. So you don't want to, you know, overuse him. And it, it, it's nice to have a guy like Barner who you can kind of hand some touches to. And But the other thing with Barner is I think I noticed it in the last game. Uh, he made a couple of special teams tackles. So if he can contribute not only as a return guy, but on coverage, I mean, that's huge. And that's going to be what that's going to be right there is what makes him really deserve a spot on the team is if he can contribute on specials like that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's, it's interesting. I think, uh, you know, we'll see this Eagles jets game. It's interesting from those angles, but you know, 
obviously from, you know, a starting perspective, kind of where are the Eagles are situated right now. Yeah, I just don't know how you couldn't be happy as an Eagle fan and how you couldn't be, you know, insanely excited for this team's potential. Uh, all right, BLG, before we get out of here and, and let everyone get, uh, you know, headed into that awesome annual Eagles Jets crap for <laughs> preseason game. And for those of us who it's their job to watch it, it's really fun, man. Um, but, uh, BLG, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, we'll, we'll go back to the Super Bowl thing. I mean, like, like you said, I think there's, there, it's always natural to be a little bit skeptical and a little bit cautious because you don't want to get you know ahead of yourself and then be let down later. You know, I totally get that. But that said, I mean, have some fun. Again, I, I say this all the time, like, don't try not to take everything so seriously. I mean, it, that's what this is supposed to be about. You're supposed to have fun. It's supposed to be something, you know, away from your your job or, well, for us, it is our job, but it, you know, for other people, uh, it's supposed to be something that's fun. So I think, you know, the hype is warranted. I think they've, they've made a lot of changes this off season and with Bradford looking great. I mean, just that alone, when you have a quarterback who looks good, I mean, that's, that's the key right there. So Plenty of reasons to feel excited about this team. Uh, uh, I kind of want to say twelve and four, but I'm kind of. I think I'm on the eleven and five. Oh, 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 I love it. Yeah, I I've been eleven and five, so I'm going to stick with it. But oof, man, I could see twelve pretty easy. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm with you. Uh, I said it before. It's really the just how well coached they seem and and how efficient and just. For preseason games, the way, you know, the level of of seriousness, for lack of a better word, that, that, that they're taking it is just very heartening to see. And I think it's kind of a, an exemplification of kind of what Chip believes in from a football perspective. So I, I'm with you, man. I, I'm pumped. I'm ready to get going. I'm really excited. And, and you said it, man. This is supposed to be fun. We're not curing cancer here. We're not, you know, doing anything. You know, this isn't brain surgery. You know, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be something where you can, you know, uh, you know, relax, get away from all your worries, and, and enjoy things. And obviously, we we love our team, and we're gonna we're gonna get. You know, sometimes Ajita or whatever it is because of them. But like you said, right now that everything's possible. This season hasn't started yet. Why say that this team can't be the first team in, in Eagles history to win the Super Bowl? Will they most likely? No, probably not. But you know what? They can. It is possible. So you know, let yourself believe it again. Uh, let yourself believe it a little bit is what I mean to say. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for episode 109 of the BGN radio podcast fueled by Duncan Philly. We will be back with some more reaction after roster cuts. And then, oh my God, BLG next week, we're going to be doing a preview podcast. Oh my goodness. Can't wait, man. It's, it's, uh, it's been a long, long off season. I I can't wait to get back into that. Yeah, it really has because of everything that's happened and all the oh, moves yeah. and just it feels like it's been nonstop. It almost felt like there wasn't an off season, but at the same time, it feels like I haven't watched them play a meaningful game in a really long time. So, all right, for uh, Brandon Lee Gowton, I'm James Seltzer. Again, thank you for listening to episode 109 of the BGN Radio Podcast. 
We'll talk to you soon. Eagles football! Thanks, guys. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.